Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Amen and amen. If you've been with us for a while, uh, you probably know what chapter of the Bible we're going to be reading from, the book of Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, we've been in the series Eyes to See, uh, Ears to Hear, and now we're getting to this part where hearts that burn. Come on, hearts that burn. Are you ready? Luke chapter 24. I am going to start, I think I'm going to start with verse 19. What things, oh no, no, let me start with 17, 17. He asked them, Jesus talking to these guys uh, on this road, and he says, what things are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their face, and then one of them, Cleophas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about these things that have happened here the last few days. And Jesus is like, well, what things? What things happened? Something went down? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priest and the other religious leaders, they handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified. We didn't have anything to do with it. They crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the Messiah. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue who? Israel. Forget everybody else, but just Israel. We thought he was the one that was just going to rescue Israel. This happened three days ago, and this is what happened. And some women from our group that were his followers were with the tomb early that morning, and they came back with this amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had angels, and they told them that Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. But they still didn't believe him. They still didn't believe him. And Jesus said this, and listen to the rebuke of Jesus to these two disciples on the road. You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in scriptures Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all of these things before entering into his glory? And then Jesus did this. He took them through the writings of Moses and all of the prophets, explaining them all of the scriptures concerning himself. And by this time, they were nearing Emmaus and on the end of their journey, and Jesus acted as if he was going to keep going, but they begged him, stay the night since it's getting late. So he went home with them, and he sat down to eat. He took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and suddenly their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and at that moment, he was gone. And so he said this to each other, did our hearts not burn within us as he talked with us on the road, and he explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem, back to Jerusalem. Did our hearts not burn within us. When you think of the word like burn and fire, we find this fire all throughout the scriptures. And uh, what comes into your mind when you think about just fire? All different things could come into your mind. It could be this, the, the idea of just the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit fire. We have this idea maybe of altars and 
fire from heaven coming down or Moses at the burning bush. Uh, In the book of Revelations, it says that Jesus, his eyes were like fire. Could you imagine just looking into Jesus' eyes and his eyes were like fire? Imagine being his autometrist. Like, whoa, whoa, we've got, oh, something, I don't know. No, no, it's just eyes, just Jesus' eyes on fire. Or, Or maybe when you think about fire, you think about when you're texting and something's really good, you put on the fire emoji. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, were, were you at church? Yeah, it was on fire today. Oh, did you see her new dress? Oh, that new dress, it was fire. Those new shoes, those new shoes, fire, fire, right? All of these ideas that quotes, fire. This, this, uh, this morning, I really want to talk about fire from the idea of revival. Did our hearts not burn within us? Was there not something as Jesus talked to us, it just put us more on fire when you get around someone like that, revival starts to happen. Now, I got to make a few confessions. When I hear this word revival, it kind of puts a few things in me like, oh, revival, again. You've come to church and, and the pastor's talking about a revival again. And if you kind of maybe grew up how I grew up, revival was this. Revival was, hey, in the fall, Thursday at seven o'clock, we're gonna set up a big tent, right? And, and in this big tent, we're gonna invite a speaker and the speaker's gonna be really good and he's gonna give an evangelistic message and we're gonna have, somebody's gonna do some worship and, and revival is gonna happen uh, August 14th, Thursday night at 7 p.m. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all, anybody? Anybody been there? Remember that, that was revival. Right? And I remember always kind of hearing this, and, and mom, what are you doing? Mom's going to the revival. And I remember just thinking, like, I don't think it works like that. Like, or, or I'm not sure. Like, does it work like that? Can you schedule revival? Can, can you schedule when the fire of God falls? Right? And, 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 but on the other hand, like, no one would say this out loud because it's a good thing. People are gathering, you're talking about Jesus, you're worshiping, people are coming, uh, and hopefully people are getting saved. And it's just like, you know, you you don't want to say it's not, but at the same time, there's something in you just like, I'm just not sure, is this revival? And and what I found is there's kind of two end of the spectrum when it comes to revival. One, there's there's this extreme where, yeah, yeah, it's it's 7 o'clock, Thursdays, August 14th, revival's happening. And then there's the other extreme that like, there's nothing at all that you could do. All you do is pray for the next 40 years. There's nothing at all. And if you were to be real honest with yourself inside of your soul, maybe you find yourself on one of those spectrums. Like uh, way over here, six steps to revival and it's gonna happen. Or, or, Or way over here, there's absolutely nothing all we could do is pray. What is the scriptures say about it. I think the scriptures point us to somewhere in the middle. That we can pray as if it's all up to God, but at the same time, it's on us to rise to action. Uh, we, 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 can, we can, I think the scriptures point us out a few different ways. Like, hey, if you see someone that's cold and you have an extra jacket, what do you do? You don't just say, hey, I'll pray for you. Like, no, no, you give them your jackets right? It's this faith and this works, and we, and we, we show our faith, and we do this thing, and it, it complements each other. Another person puts it like this, one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. But you've got to plant something. You've got to put something in the ground. You've got to water something. Imagine like watering dirt, and you ain't put no seed in the ground, 
Like, I'm just believing it's going to happen. I'm believing for this orange tree. You better put some seed in the ground. And all of these things happen, and yet God could do it. He could miraculously just do something. But I think there's time and time again in the scriptures where we see uh, it's, it's faith and it's God, and we pray. And yes, it's only God, but at the same time, we've got to move with him. I'll show you this a few different ways. In the book of First uh, Kings, chapter 17 and 18, I want to read it this morning. We're actually going to read it in a few weeks. But take the time when you get home, read this thing. It is a very famous portion of scripture where Elijah is going out and there is a showdown on the mountain, on Mount Carmel. And, and there's these prophets and there's Elijah and, and there's this contest that happens. And the contest is this. Listen, you're gonna build an altar and I'm gonna build an altar and whichever God, we'll pray, and whichever God answers with fire, like that's the real God. So, so the prophets of Baal and all these guys get together and they build this altar. They start stacking all of these stones one by one and they build this altar. And then they start praying and praying. And, and the scriptures even tell us like they were cutting themselves and they were dancing. And Elijah's just over there in the background like, maybe he's asleep. Keep on, keep on singing, keep on dancing, or maybe something will happen. And, and then, then nothing happens. And so he starts building his own altar and he starts stacking stones one by one. And then he even puts some sticks on this and all of this and he's built his altar. And then he prays, and God comes down and answers with what? Fire. Come on, y'all know the story. Y'all should know the story. He answers with some fire. What is my point? My point is this. We build the altars, but God sends the fire. We build the altars, but only God can send the fire. That's the same way revival works. We built the altar. God sends the fire. And here's the thing. If he doesn't send it, he just doesn't send it. You can't manipulate God and, and make God do something that you want him to do because you thought, well, we, we planned all these things and we set up the tent, God, and we do all things. And God, we, you're supposed to do that. He may not. He's God. He could do whatever he wants. And then what happens is this. We start to get frustrated with God because he doesn't answer us in the manner in which we thought he should answer us. But we built the altar, God, and we did all these things, and, and nothing happened. And so what do we do? We try to start the fire ourselves. We just say, okay, we're, we're just going gonna to do some manipulation, and we're going to do all this, and we'll work everybody up into a frenzy, and we'll start our own fire. But those aren't the terms of the deal. The terms of the deal here in First uh, 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 Kings is whichever God answers with fire. Now, whoever can get it started, Right? These are the, we built the, the altar, only God can send the fire. And the question is, have we settled for false fire? Have we settled for false fire? See, because there's a few different dangers with this. One is the danger of becoming hypercritical. The danger of just saying, uh, uh, man, well, pastor, I've, I've seen all this and, and I've heard the pastors and I've heard the churches and they talk about revival and I've just seen how it's been manipulated and I've seen how it's been faked and I've seen all of these things and it's been uh, used and abused. And my answer is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because anything that's good is going to be abused. It's going to be misused. It's going to be knocked off. There's going to be fakes. As a matter of fact, it just points to the real. Just the other day, I was with a group of guys, and they were talking about 
how on the beach now is these real popular, and I don't know the name of it, but it's like a, it's like a sunshade, that, it's like a little tent, Shabumi. All right, that's an awesome name, a Shabumi. All right, so the Shabumi is this little tent thing, a little flapper in the breeze, and you just lay, it doesn't matter how windy it gets, you could hang out underneath. I'm like, this is great, I've seen them all over the beach, and if you go online to try to get one, the thing is like 200 bucks. I'm like, $200 for a piece of vinyl? And some, like, there's no way. I'll just wait for China to knock it off. (laughs) And you know they will, right? It's going to be on Amazon for 35 bucks next week. And like, it might not get this summer. Next week, I'm going to have the shaboom boom, right? (laughs) For 35 bucks, right? Because anything good is going to get knocked off. And the fact that it got knocked off doesn't mean that everything is fake. As a matter of fact, I did a little bit of research I said the three most common brands that are knocked off today is this, Rolex, Gucci, and Nike. Rolex, Gucci, and Nike. And one person even said that there's, there's believed to be more fake Rolexes in the world than there are real ones. And I actually have one at my house. <laughs> I do. On the streets in Indonesia, $5 can get you all the Rolexes you want. And I still have one in my house. And it's, it's there, it's like, hey, if y'all want one, I sell to you for $10, you know. <laughs> but no one would look at that Rolex or, or, or any Rolex and be like, Rolex is so cheap. Rolex is so fake. No, 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 no. Like, it's just been abused and misused and knocked off. As a matter of fact, the fact that it's been knocked off so times only points to the fact that it's real. Are you catching what I'm saying? The fact that revival has been abused and misused and, and we've seen man's manipulation only points to the fact that there is such a thing and God does send his fire. And it can happen. We build the altars, only God can send the fire. Second thing is this. When it, when it does happen, like, like right now, if God just, if things just caught on fire, let's not lie, every single one of us would be amazed. I like every single one of us would be like, oh, 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 oh my gosh. And then there would be a whole bunch of us like, I don't know how Pastor did that trick. <laughs> Come on. Come on. It must have been a trick. He, he must have done something. There must have been something underneath it. There must have been some kind of flammable thing. I don't know how he did it, but there's no way God answered with fire. And so we're surprised when God shows up. And this happens time and time again. As a matter of fact, there's this time in Acts where Peter is in prison and the church is gathered together and they're praying for Peter's release and then Peter's knocking on the door. Hey guys, oh, Peter's at the door. No, he's not, he's still in jail. You're praying for him to be released and he's at the door and you don't even believe it when it happens. It must have been some trick. Even though they're praying and believing this is going to happen. Not too long ago, I, I took my kids to the zoo. And you know what happened at the zoo? I saw the lions. This is amazing. You want to know why? Because every time I go to the zoo, I never see the lions. They're always asleep in that cave. Just, you know, just, you know, we sing this song, come on, there's a lion inside of you. Them lions are always in that little cave, you know, sleeping, I don't want to get in a shit. Come on, it kind of looks like the church sometimes. Like, no, awaken yourself. You were made for more than this. Jump up out of this cage. Awaken. What happens if God actually shows up? Are you ready for it? And here's the thing. Over the next few weeks, this is my hope, that we would pray 
and believed that God would show up and there would be revival in our county, revival in our hearts, revival in our church. And I know you've heard it before, and so it's a stretch for you. Hey, this is the wrong time of year, but we're getting ready to go on summer break. And I'm like, do you not realize, like, he's the God who can do whatever he wants. It's our job to build the altar. God, I'm just believing that you would do it. That we would find ourselves like these two disciples, saying, did our hearts not burn within us? And you know what the very first thing they did after they said that? It says they turned back to Jerusalem, which is the hallmarks of revival, a turning back, a repentance. No, no, we've got to turn from this way, and now we're going this way, following Jesus with all of our heart. Also that we would prepare the altars of our hearts, plant some seeds, believe, stack some stones, pray the prayers, God, come in and purify my heart. What are the things in my heart? What are the things in my life that are keeping me back from being fully just passionate about you? Is it my critical nature? Is it my unbelief that you'll actually show up? What are our expectations? Now here in the book of Luke, it's interesting because these two disciples, their world has fallen apart. Everything they thought that was gonna happen, all of their expectations of a Messiah and what he should look like and how he was gonna free Israel, all of that has now shattered to pieces. And their disappointment is sheer unmet expectation. And here it says it, we had hoped. It's in the past tense, there was hope and now there's no hope anymore. Because their expectations and life didn't match up. There's what they thought was gonna happen and there's what really happened. And so now it turns from had hoped. And we thought Jesus was gonna come into a way. And so what we see here is these two men and they've been absolutely crushed. Crushed to the point that when they actually have good news come to them and the women tell them, no, he's alive, there's not even a body there, they can't even hear it. Have you ever got to that place? Where we're just inside of your soul, you, you, you've just been hurt so bad, you've been crushed so bad, your expectations have been unmet for so long that even, even the word of good news just makes you like depressed. <laughs> you won the lottery. I gotta pay all those taxes, right? Something really great happened to you in your life. You know, it could have been better. All of these things, and here's what's happening, these expectations that we have. I, I remember not too long ago, when I say not too long ago, y'all know that means I could, in the last 50 years. <laughs> it, it has nothing to do with time. Um, I was talking to one of my friends, and he said, I was just having a rat, rough day. I mean, it was really bad. I was just, I was feeling down. I was feeling depressed. I called my friends. Friends didn't answer. Called my wife, she didn't answer. Lucas, I called you, you didn't answer. I was calling everybody, nobody was answering the phone. I was just feeling down, I was feeling dressed. And you know what, I, I finally turned to God. And you know what, he showed up. He showed up and filled my heart and he filled my mind. And here's the thing, like, that's in us, right? Like, we want to turn to our friends and our wife and our family and our pastor, but I think there's times where we gotta turn to God first. We gotta turn to him and say, God, I'm, I'm going through this. I'm going through this struggle. God, what, what, what do you wanna say? I have this other friend that he was telling me about uh, his church, and he's a missionary overseas, and he said, yeah, I wanted to incorporate this new thing into the church and wanted to have all these people make this commitment for membership, and, and, and it, it was very um, 
just different for this part of the world. And so he went through this thing, and he said, you know, we're, we're into it. And he said, Lucas, but like, all these people made this commitment then, and then this other person left me. And then, and then another family left. And then uh, another family left. And you could just tell, he's, just, he's like, man, I'm just not going to ever do that again. And to which I just started asking him a few questions. I was like, well, tell me, tell me about what you did and tell me the, wh- how, how it worked out. And oh, matter of fact, tell, well, how many people did you take through this? He said, well, there's about 100 people that went there. And, and how, many, how many families, how many people left? Oh, about three. <laughs> so you're telling me you had a 97% success rate. Will you teach me how you did it? You see my point? It's all in how it's reframed. And this idea, sometimes we just, we dwell on the negative. We dwell on the fake Rolexes. We think all of these things, like God, I, I, he's doing something completely different. It's not, it's not your expectations. It's what he wants to do. See, I think sometimes we get this idea, God, if you'll just tell us what you're gonna do, then I'll know what, then, you know, I'll be good. How, how many of us have prayed that? God, if you just tell me, tell me what to do, we'll be, you do not want God to do that. I'm telling you right now, you do not want God to tell you his plan for you. I'm telling you, like, we love Jeremiah 29, 11. We don't realize the context of that scripture. It's a group of people that, that, that are hauled away into captivity in a place they don't want to be. And God said, yeah, no, build your house right here in this place that you don't want to be. Do all these, I will bless you right here. No, no, God bless us back over there. I think about, I think about Joseph. And he has this dream from God, and the dream from God is like, I saw the sun and the moon and the stars, and they bowed down before me, right? And he's telling everybody, like, this is a good thing, until his brothers hear it and his mom and dad hear it. And then the next 14 years of his life, 13, 14 years, he ends up in a pit, he ends up in a prison, he ends up lied about, all of these things happen to him. Imagine if God would have told him that dream. All right, Joseph, this is what I got for you. The sun, the moon, stars, but this is how you're going to get there. You're going to get in prison. The next 14 years of your life are going to be rough. All right, all right, all right here it is, Lucas. Uh, I want you to start this church, and you're going to make an impact in Brunswick County. Your church is going to be part of unifying the body of Christ. Oh, yes, this is amazing. Okay, this is how it's going to be. Uh, for the next 13 years, you're going to set up and tear down. Every single Sunday, you're going to wake up at 6 a.m. and people are going to get out of bed early. All of this is going to happen. God, you're you're going to work for the first five years with three different jobs, and you're going to pray that there's donuts there, that we'd have 12 more bucks to buy some donuts. And this is what's, uh, God, I don't know if that's a good plan. Like, we want God, we really don't want God to tell, this is the best life. What, What if you were Paul, Right? Listen to what God says to Paul. Like, I'm going to show him all the things he must suffer for my sake. Oh, you meant something else. You meant something else. This is how God builds altars. This is his plan. This is his purpose, and he will light it. See, I think we have all of these unmet expectations, and we think, it's, we think God's never going to do it, but there's something that happened in 1 Kings 17 and 18 that I didn't tell you about. See, God, there were these two different altars, and, and, and the false prophets, nothing happened over here, and we have Elijah's, and then God says to do this, Elijah, take some water, and, and I, want you to, I want you to dump it all over 
all over. Matter of fact, he tells them to build a trench around it, fill that with gallons and gallons of water. But wait, hold on, God, you don't understand. Those are not the conditions that need to be met for something to catch on fire. As a matter of fact, if you want something to catch on fire, it needs to be really, really dry. You need to have good kindling, all this. And God said, yeah, just do what I tell you to do. And, and so just pour some more water on it. And so, so then you have this soaking wet altar. Sometimes I think our lives look like that. But pastor, I've, I've built the altar, I've done, and I've been praying the prayers, but you don't know what's happened to me, all the hurt and all the disappointment, and there's no way God's gonna light it on fire now. You don't know all the things that have happened. You don't, you, you don't you know the, 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 the disappointments and the pain, and you don't even know the sins, and it's just more water. There's no way God could light this heart on fire now. We had hoped. There's no way resurrection can happen now. Unmet expectations. Here's the thing about revival. The very essence of the meaning of this word means something is dead. It means something has to be brought back to life. It doesn't mean, hey, well, something's kind of on life support and then maybe it could get a little bit better. No, it's dead. It, it, it's dead and, 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 and it feels like that sometimes. And the realization, church, that we are absolutely, utterly helpless without Jesus. That I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't fake the fire. I can't manipulate God. I can't make these things happen. If the fire doesn't fall, it doesn't fall. And it just feels like, Sometimes it feels like the conditions aren't right. I've been, I've been in this prison cell for year after year, Joseph. I've been left in this, 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 this plain area with just these sheep, and even my own family has forgotten about me, David. All of these things happen, and it just feels like there's more, oh, it's watered down. And this is the challenge. This is the challenge of how do we live into this gospel message, that I can do absolutely nothing without Jesus, while at the same time I open up the scriptures and it says, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I have faith that can even move mountains. And we look at Jesus and these things that you'll do and even greater. Well, God, I'm not gonna have faith to move mountains. Like, I can't even get my kids to move. I can't get my kids to brush their teeth in the morning. Uh, well, well, not me, my spouse. We, we've been having the same fight for 30 years. Come on, somebody. It's the same thing rehashed over and over and how, how we're gonna have faith to move mountains and how we're gonna see revival in Brunswick County and revival in our church when we can't even have revival. It's just the same fight, the same struggle, the same addiction, the same disappointment, more water on the altar. Dreams of sun and moon and stars bowing down but forgotten in the prison. I'm supposed to walk on water, but sometimes it's hard just to walk. I remember being 20 years old and being in India and in Asia and Cambodia, some of these places, and doing it crippling. I One time, like, I hurt myself because I was surfing a 20-foot wave, y'all. Now I can hurt myself by picking up my socks. Like, what happened to pastor? He just tried to pick up his socks, sprained an ankle, right? Like, it's hard to live into this sometimes. So sometimes it just feels like, come on. And the challenge is to not get jaded. The challenge is to live this life and still believe every single word that it says. Every single word. Because the underlying current of our culture is this. We want revival, but we don't want to die first. 
We want the, the crown, but we don't want the cross. And we wonder, and we had hoped that there would be something in this life, and our expectations oftentimes are running contrary to the word of God. And sometimes I think we blame God for the very thing that he's doing in us to bring us to that place of promise. Let me say that one more time. Sometimes we blame God. God, why do you let this happen? But what he's doing in us to bring us to that place of promise, that way when we get the promise, we'll be able to hold on to it. Because it's not for you just to have the promise only to destroy yourself two weeks of having it. No, no, I want to prepare you for what I've already prepared for you. We build the altar, only God can send the fire. And Jesus was very clear with his expectations. As a matter of fact, it says he opened up the scriptures and showed them time and time again through all the prophets that this would happen. Let let, let me show you what Moses said about me. Let me show you what Jeremiah said about me. Let me show you what Isaiah said about me. As a matter of fact, let me show you what Jonah said about me. All of these things pointing that this would happen. I was very clear. You just had some other false expectation. You thought I was going to come in and riding on this big horse and we were just going to help Israel out. No, I came for the entire world. And I'm going to do it through this cross. We build the altar. Only God could send the fire. And we see that on the cross. We see Jesus on the cross where he says, Father, unto you I commit my spirit. Everything. I've laid it down, now you send your fire. Um, there's these TV shows. I, I love these survival, survivalist TV shows. They'll drop people off in some wilderness area and they gotta survive and good old Bear Grylls is doing something crazy and I love it. There's this particular one. I don't know how many seasons of it is, but the, the, the contestants are only allowed X amount of items, you know, maybe 10 items. So they could bring 10 items from this approved list to bring with them, and then that's all they have uh, for this next portion uh, of survival. It's not called survival, but whatever it is. And it was interesting because they did a thing after so many episodes of what people would bring every time. And every time there was three items that people would always bring. They would always bring a tarp. Uh, They would always bring something, some kind of canteen or something to hold their water and to boil their water in. And then they would always bring like a flint or something to make some fire. And when I heard this, I thought, oh man, that's, that's gospel right there. And let me show you what I mean. Here's a few things that I think that you need to survive in order to, to, to not be one that had hoped, but to have hope. It says this in the book of Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers, but they do this. They delight in the law of the Lord and they meditate on it day and night. And it's like this. They're like trees that are planted along a riverbank. And this is what they do. Each one bearing fruit in its own season. And each season, and their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. And so if we were going on this journey, this, these would be the stones on the altar. This would be the word of God. So like, no, no, you, you, you've got to take that word of God, you've got to take that law, and, and you've got to, to hide it in your heart, you've got to de- delight on it and meditate on it day and night. And we do this, we let our roots go down deep in him. 
nourishment found in him. And it says this, that fruit will come in every season. Every season. You could have fruit in the dry season of your life. You could have fruit in the darkest night of your soul. You could have fruit when you've lost everything. You could have fruit of patience and kindness and self-control because this kind of fruit, when you're planted in God, man, it'll bear fruit in every single circumstance, in every single situation. It bears fruit in the middle of the desert. It bears fruit in the middle of a prison cell. It bears fruit in Potiphar's house. It bears fruit. Listen to what Jeremiah 17 says. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots in the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. No worries when drought's going on all around you. It never fails to bear fruit. You can you could have no worries in the middle of a drought. No worries in the middle of a economic downturn. No worries. So it begs to ask the question, what are you stressed out about? What are you stressed out? Because maybe you've put your roots in the wrong source. Because you will feed off of whatever you've put your roots into. And if you've put roots into something <laughs> that, man, it changes on a dime, yeah, you're going to go hungry quick. You're going to get thirsty real quick. And, and he's saying, like, when we do this, and when we get into the word of God, it's like putting our roots down in him, and we could bear fruit in every season. We could delight in it. Where are you putting your roots? Have we put our roots in our own abilities, in our own talents? Well, what happens when your abilities fail you? What happens when your talent fails you? What happens when your knowledge and your wisdom fail you? And maybe that's why you're so stressed out because you've been rooted in something else. You've been rooted in your own ways. And so, no, no, if we're going on this journey, first of all, we've got to bring that water with us. We've got to have roots that go down deep. Second item we've got to bring, this, it says this in Psalms 91. This is, the, this is the shelter. This is the tarp that we're bringing with us. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my, my place of safety. He alone is my God, and I trust in him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers, and he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. This is the tarp. These are the sticks on the altar that we stack up. God, you alone I will shelter in. You alone are my safety. You alone are my refuge. I, 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 I just think about the psalmist. I think about David. I think about those times where he was just out there all alone, forgotten by his family with just those sheep. And, and I, in my mind, this is just how I see it. I see this cliff to his left. I see another cliff to his right, and, and it, it's just high, and, and David's out there, and there's no other sounds except for the, the, the bane of the sheep, and all of a sudden he sees this eagle, and he sees the storms coming, but he sees the eagle go into the rocks, and he's just watching as this eagle's protecting its young, and he begins to put pen to paper and saying, my God's like that. 
And he, he's just like that eagle that whenever any storm's coming against me, he, he's my shelter, he's my place. Which I don't even have to worry about what's happening on the horizon. God, his feathers surround me. He's my shelter. He's the one that, that I don't have to worry about any deadly disease. I don't have to worry about, you're my armor, you're my protection. I shelter in you alone, God. Where do we turn to when things get rough? It's easy to try to shelter in something else. It's easy to try to shelter in our pastor or our spouse or our family or in money or in whatever it may be. And all the time, God's saying, no, no, you need to shelter in me. What are we sheltering in? Where are we finding our source, our water? The last thing I think that's absolutely indispensable is that flint. There's gotta be some fire. There's gotta be some fire. And, and, and the part that I think is really interesting with this TV show is, is that we would all agree that fire is essential for living in the wilderness because you need it to stay warm. You need it to boil your water. You know, without, without this fire, nothing works. Everything else falls apart really quickly. But we do not see it as essential for the Christian journey. We see it as if it's optional. As if it's something just like, oh no, we could just keep going through life. And I'm here to tell you it's not. It is not. It is absolutely essential to living this Christian walk. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 12, 49. And Jesus said this, don't leave Jerusalem till I send the Spirit. Oh, how I, uh, and then he says this uh, in Luke, I came to cast fire on the earth. Oh, and that it would already be kindled. Oh, I came to cast fire, but oh, that the altar would already be set. That you would be ready, that hearts would be ready. Listen, listen to what uh, it says in Luke 3. Uh, John says, listen, I'm baptized with, you, with water, but there's one coming that's even mightier than I. Those straps on his sandals are not even worthy to untie. I baptize you with water, but then he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's absolutely essential. Whatever you do, disciples, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't go try to start your own fires. Don't try to go get it in your own strength. You've got to have the spirit of the living God living inside of you to make it through this life. I, I know you feel like you're equipped. I know you feel like you're, you're not. Don't leave Jerusalem without it. Build the altars and let me set the fire. But, but Pastor, like, the, the, the conditions aren't perfect. The conditions are met. You don't know all of the things that have happened. There's no way God's going to pour any fire on this because I've done this. Or I've had this disappointment, or, and, and I had hoped. And so I'll just keep living day in. This is like, soak it. You don't have to fake the fire, Christian. You could bring your worry and your doubt and your fear and your frustration, and God says, it's okay. Bring me your bitterness, bring me your anger, put it all on the altar and let me have it. Watch what I do with it. Keep waiting, keep praying. And did our hearts not burn within us? I wanna read you, uh, maybe, I think I've actually read this before, I want to read it again today. Stand with me to your feet, please. This is a, a, a passage 
that maybe some of you heard is from John Wesley's journal. It says that Sunday, May 5th, preached in St. Anne's and was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday, May 5th, p.m., preached at St. John's. Deacon said, get out of here and stay out. Next week, Sunday, May 12th, preached at St. Jude. Can't go back there either. Sunday, May 12th again, p.m., preached at St. George. Got kicked out of there. Next week, Sunday, May 19th, preached at St. Somebody Else. Deacons called a special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m., 19th, preached on the street, got kicked off of the street. Sunday, May 28th, Sunday, May 26th, preached in the meadow, got chased out of the meadow when a bull was turned loose on me. Come on. Sunday, June 2nd, preached out at the edge of town, got kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m., June 2nd, afternoon service, Preached in a pasture, 10,000 people came out to hear. Now, maybe you've heard this, but the thing is, this actually thing isn't exactly true. Uh, the journal entries are true, but the dates are actually skewed. The act, this is a condensed version of what uh, John Wesley wrote. The actual version, the dates don't happen within a 30-day period. The dates actually happen over a two-year period. And... and and then even after the 10,000 people come to hear him, then the bull gets released on another message afterwards. What's the point? Sometimes you could come to church, you could come to this church, you say, Lucas, you've been preaching the same thing for the last 12, 13 years. I, I've heard it all before. And you've heard the preachers talk about revival time and time again. And I heard, and I know that you believe, and I, I tell you, I just believe God is going to set this place on fire. And, and week after week, I just build the altar. And there's times of just, God, come on. And, and tempted, tempted to try to like fake it. Determined not to. Determined not to. But what's amazing about this is I'm still preaching. 13 years later, 25 years of ministry now, I still believe God's going to send his fire. I still believe, and I'm still waiting, and I have not had hoped. I still hope, and I still believe, and I'm going to keep on building altars in the desert, and I'm going to keep remembering his promise, and I'm going to keep on asking you the question, did our hearts not burn within us? when we opened up the scriptures and started talking about Jesus? Was there not a part of our hearts that, yeah, I've heard it before. I've heard the pastor talk about it for year after year after year. But the passion hasn't died. And that just goes to show you that there is something real. And I want to read you my journal entries over the last years. January 21st, 2010 preached at a bowling alley and 50 people showed up. The next week, January 28th, preached at that same bowling alley and only 25 people showed up. Lost half the church in one year, one week. Sunday, 2024, still working three jobs trying to get the church off its feet, Lord help. Sunday, 2015, good friends got offended and have left. 
2018, got kicked out of our building by the tax office. By the tax office, y'all. 2018 again, got kicked out again because of a voting center. 2019, got told we had to shut down. Half the church left and never came back. 2020, friends again, got offended, won't even talk to us anymore. Sunday, to be determined, preached the gospel message and the fire of God fell in Brunswick County, North Carolina and thousands of people got saved and people got healed and prodigals came home and people dug down deep in the word and our hearts burned within us and we sheltered in the mighty right hand of God and we did not fake the fire only God did it and we built altar after altar and churches are now coming together and we're working together and we're fulfilling Jesus' prayer that they would be one just as you and I are one and I believe it and the miracle is I believe it just as much now as I did all those years ago and that's the miracle of God that's the miracle of God in your life and you think all of this water on the fire because you've experienced it for so long God's saying that's just the conditions that I use it's not your way it's mine but you can't stop you can't stop believing you can't had hoped if you had hoped do what Jesus did get into the scriptures look at what he said let me show you all the times like this was going to happen let's make these expectations what you said God because I believe this that he who began a good work will see it through to the day of Christ Jesus let's pray Lord Jesus oh Holy Spirit fill us we your church just we repent we turn back to Jerusalem we're not leaving without you, God. You are our hope. And you we rest underneath your wings that cover us and protect us. Oh, God. We build the altars. But Jesus, only you can send the fire. If you're in the room today and you don't know him, may today be the day of salvation. May they, today be the day that you say, it's all yours, God. If that's you and you're in the room, I'm gonna ask you to just put your hand real high in the air. I just wanna pray a prayer coming back to Jesus. Maybe for the first time or maybe you just need to recommit or whatever it is, that's you. All right, I wanna believe that everyone in here knows him. So Lord, I wanna believe that as a church, God, we're still hungry for your fire. Send revival, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome in this place. You're welcome in our homes. You're welcome with our families, with our children. You're welcome on Monday morning at the job site. You're welcome in everything. Church, let's take a few minutes. Let's just worship together. 
Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.